Welcome to the Founder to Mentor podcast. My name is Mike Fada. I'm an entrepreneur with multiple nine-figure exits and a passion for health and mentorship. Join me on a journey where I connect with world-class founder mentors to inspire your personal and professional growth. Let's jump into it. Hello, everyone. My name is Mike Fada. I'm excited today to host Adam Brown, the founder of Circle Media. For all of you joining for the first time, welcome. And for those returning again, thank you for supporting these Founder Help Sessions. This room is hosted under the Venture Park Club, which uh, I and several other friends launched with Arlene Dickinson. You can follow Venture Park Club to stay up to date on our events. Click on the little green house at the top uh, and to be added to the club. Uh, after our intros, I'm going to get some some of Adam's thoughts on a, on a few topics. And then uh, we're going to be inviting founders up to ask Adam or I a question uh, this is a learning and networking event. Uh, the, the room usually has other founders or retailers, brokers, distributors, media. So check out people's profiles, connect with them and see if we can help each other out. Uh, and just a reminder that this is a, uh, a recorded event. For those that don't know my journey, I, I uh, grew up poor with a single mom. I left school at 13 to start working. I wasn't educated about health when I was young and fell prey to the fast food movement Ended up weighing 300 pounds. Uh, I started my 100-pound weight loss journey at, when I was 18, uh, which led me to starting Manitoba Harvest uh, when I was 21. And Manitoba Harvest has the claim to fame of helping pioneer the uh, the global hemp food industry. Uh, we grew the business to over 100 million in sales, and in 2020, passed 500 million in lifetime sales uh, with millions of happy hemp heart customers. Um, and we were fortunate to sell the uh, the business twice uh, uh, with the with the full sale in 2019 to Tilray for 419 million dollars. Uh, and I now spend most of my time helping other founders to achieve their mission uh, through investment, advisement, mentoring, and board governance. My bio has my portfolio as well as details of fatafleischman.org, the mass mentorship toolbox for CPG founders that Greg Fleischman and I launched earlier this year. Uh, and if we're not already connected, I'm active on LinkedIn, and you can connect with me there. Uh, I'm stoked to uh, to have this chat with Adam with you all. I met Adam through LinkedIn, so shout out to LinkedIn. I saw some of the content he was putting out and, and reached out to him, and he was open to have a, a conversation. Uh, I've always valued uh, uh, many people in business, but smart marketers, uh, for sure. And uh, the first time that I spoke with Adam, I could tell that he's just that. Uh, Ten years ago-ish, uh, Adam founded Circle Media and has been re representing uh, brands in food and beverage uh, in, in the social and digital media space. Uh, Adam's worked with some of the leading brands in the natural products industry, uh, like Kind Bar, Pop Chips, Nut Pods, Juan, Koya. I mean, no, there's a lot more than that, uh, and the list goes on. Um, Adam is also an investor uh, in the natural product space, um, including in his friend uh, Mark Samuels' I Want Organics, uh, which you've probably seen them maybe on LinkedIn together if you're on. Uh, Adam is, I think, into like 300 days into his 365 days of fire, uh, sharing some of his marketing strategies and uh, on LinkedIn. Uh, so I'm sure there's some knowledge bombs uh, uh, being dropped today. Um, welcome to uh, Natural Product Founders Helping Founders, Adam. Thanks. Uh, first off, I need to take you with me on every call I go on to because you, you, you gas me up and you motivate me. Uh, so I appreciate you. And it's hard to follow up your intro. Uh, you have such an impressive intro. I'm always uh, taken aback and just like impressed and wowed by everything you've done and what you're giving back. And uh, it's cool to hear it each time. And uh, I appreciate you. And yeah, LinkedIn brought us together. 
Um, I did a post today uh, giving you some love for that and encouraging other people to just get out there and do the same thing. We all get mired in our day-to-day, and we forget that just making human connections, which is a big part of what we do personally and professionally. And uh, if you do that, I think things will follow for both on your personal and professional side that will be positive. So uh, this is one of them. You asked me to be on this. It took me a little bit of time to get on because uh, I had two daughters' birthdays in October, uh, but you fit me in on Election Day here in, uh, in the U.S., and uh, I appreciate that. So it's really cool to be here, and I'm looking forward to jamming. Um, quick intro uh, on me um, that'll be a little bit shorter than, than Mike's. Um, I started this agency 10 years ago. It'll be 10 years, December 15th. And the thesis was social media is a full-time job. It's a uh, full-time job of many disciplines. And back then, I used to fight brands all the time that thought, you know, Facebook's a fad, and my daughter's on Facebook, but no one else is. And Nowadays, I don't have to have that fight anymore. It's more about are we the right solution versus others. And the reason I think we're, we're a better solution than most is the same thesis is true 10 years later, uh, which is it's very hard to find one person that's a fifth-degree black belt and that does it all well. I've never met one in 10 years. And so brands are always sacrificing something uh, when they try to go internally with one person managing their social media. And the other option is an agency. And most agencies are built uh, for A, to do scope-driven work um, and uh, not want you to contact them and not want to do the blocking and tackling. Uh, And B, a lot of marketing companies like branding firms, direct response firms, uh, PR firms, they're all about controlled messaging. They want to say something and elicit a response the way that they want it to go, whereas social media is uncontrolled messaging. So most people that have excelled in traditional marketing, I think actually are like a fish out of water when it comes to social, because it's very different. So agencies struggle and internal employees struggle. And I'm a founder like anyone else. Like people, people miss that sometimes. Like they get on the phone and they know that I'm a salesperson and they know I work in marketing. So it's like, tell me about your agency like any other agency. But before any of that, I'm a startup founder. I saw a white space. I feel like brands are never going to figure this out internally. I pounced on it. And it's the same thesis holding true 10 years later, which is rare. I think a lot of agencies are trend chasers based on whatever's hot. I am still tried and true. Outsource social media management, outsource art department with a little bit of extra frills uh, put in there, but all around organic social media management. So that's, uh, that's how Circle came to be, and that's what we're doing today. And I appreciate that. Uh, um Were you always like, uh, did you always feel like you had the marketing mind, like you were in, you are in real estate mortgage um, sales or before and, and, and kind of like, how did that transition? It was really like you saw the opportunity and you created something out of nothing or you, you always had a passion for marketing or like? Oh, always sales and marketing. Um, so I think like I was very strategic when I was younger. I know you're not asking me to go way back, but the, the Cliff Notes short version is um, I only applied to one college, Michigan. I got in, I went. I was told by my dad I should go to law school or be a doctor. A doctor was never an option. So I was like, what's the minimal amount of work I need to do with a high enough GPA to get into a New York law school? I did that. I got to Brooklyn Law School. I went for 29 days, hated law school, dropped out. Um, and then that was during the dot-com boom, 1999. So I got right into a job in, in marketing, and uh, I took a $23,000 a year salary job working as like the lowest person at a company called 24-7 Media which happens to still be in business. And we actually sold the advertising and sold brands to advertise on 
like 5,000 websites in 1999. We were, we were their sales team. And I did that, and I did it so well at 22, 23 that I got promoted and ultimately went to another company called GoTo.com, which was the first pay-per-click search engine. And I was the director of Northeast Sales servicing New York and Boston at 23, uh, which is comical to me now because I knew so little. Um, but sales and marketing was always in my DNA. After, after 9-11, when the whole world got weird, I pivoted out of that business and went into the mortgage industry with my brother. And I did that for like a decade, but I hated every minute of it. It just wasn't for me. I did a million-dollar rebrand while I was there. Um, I managed our marketing. We would spend $2 million a month on marketing, which is a lot of money for like a small, privately-owned uh, mortgage company. And I ran all that, but I hated the industry. So um, I pivoted out of that space uh, in 2010, and I've never looked back. It was a crazy time in my life, um, but it was the best thing that could ever happen to me because now I'm doing what I love. So that was my long answer to, yeah, sales and marketing was always a passion. Yeah, cool. I think you should share more than that. More of that. Uh, uh, I'll just put that out there for you to think about, but thanks for sharing. Um, what's the uh, culture that you've created at, at Circle? Oh, man, that's a hard one to answer quickly. Um, I think culture comes from the top. I am, like, adamant about customer service, um, zigging when someone zags or zagging when someone zigs, like, doing the opposite. Uh, it's literally, like, I started Circle for everything I just said, and the second was I wanted to be the anti-agency. I feel like most agencies suck. Um, some because they suck and they're just malicious, but some... They maybe had good intentions, but but for some reason or other, um, they just went sideways, or they're not. They're just like chasing a trend, and they're not really rooted in the foundation of what businesses need. So my my company is all about what do businesses actually need. We solve for that. We don't do anything we can't be best or second best at. Nothing. We're not going to be like mediocre at anything that we do, and we really need people that are like true growth mindset people. So everyone I hire, especially in the last like three or four years. They have to be, I don't even care if they have social media experience because I think that's easy and fungible. I can teach that to anyone. I really want growth mindset DNA that's like hyper-focused on being curious and growing and going the extra mile. So those are all the kind of things that I ask on my interview to get a know and a feeling for that. Uh, they also have to uh, really in the last few years be CPG and beverage um, geeks. So they can't just dig social and service, but they have to like shop at Whole Foods. And so that's a requirement here. And our culture is like real family. Like we're meritocracy based. We work, we're not work hard, play hard. It's sort of cliche. We're work hard, try hard in whatever we do, both personally and professionally. And everyone that's like that here are the people that have moved up in our organization have been successful. Um, my longest tenured employee has been here seven years. Um, and we have tons that have been here five, six years, which is rare for employees that are coming in, in their early 20s, uh, maybe their first job to stay sticky, um, which I think is a testament to the the culture and the sort of family atmosphere we've established here at Circle. Yeah, thanks, man. Well, I mean, you could see why you're you're building success because uh, you're already dropping some of the bombs there, I think. And and uh, uh, work hard, try hard. I like that. That's nice. How how um, you, you talked about CPG and Whole Foods, but you know, you guys are representing uh, natural brands, conventional, even into alcohol bev. Uh, how do you how do you balance that, or what's the thread through that for you? Yeah, so um, I think that a lot of what we do is vertical agnostic. And when we started, we did every vertical. We're based in New York, so you, as you can imagine, there was a lot of fashion, beauty. I actually, my first group of clients were uh, brands that targeted 
um, kids or like, um, you know, young parents. Cause at the time I had two young daughters and I knew this space. So I'm a big believer that like sales is helping people make decisions that is good for them. Like that, that is the definition of sales. And so for me, I don't like, I'm a pretty good salesman, uh, or at least I've been told, uh, but I'm not like an ice to the Eskimo type of person. I have to like really believe in the product and really believe that it's beneficial. So with that, um, it's been very natural for me to go into things that I like to consume, like either put in or on my body. Um, I stole that one from Wayne Wu as a focus, and I like that. These are the kind of things that I like to consume. I'm, I'm curious. I like to try out products. I like products that go beyond just being a product. I like brands. Um, I like storytelling. And so uh, uh, our oldest client is Michter's Whiskey. They're, they're actually the oldest whiskey uh, brand in America. They're actually one of the oldest brands in America. Um, they've been around since like the 1750s. And so they're an OG client, and we still have some spirit brands. But we're probably these days like 95% better for you CPG and beverage. Um, and I just think we can, we can big a, bring a better punch um, by being that category specific and one that I'm very passionate about. It allows me to give just like real different type of advice as opposed to like um, learning on a client's dime about their industry. I think it allows them to start on third base. And a lot of our clients are early stage. So that benefits them that they don't, we, they don't have to like teach me what retail velocity is like. Like, I get it. I, I like to tell people that I am a CPG founder. I just happen to own an agency, not a CPG brand. And so that really disarms them and lets me get into, like, real conversations um, that, uh, that can help their company move forward. So I think it's really important to really know the space and be passionate and be a consumer in it if you want to market and manage communications for brands in it. Yeah, I love that. Thanks. Yeah, I, and I agree. I think it's, like... Uh lifestyle especially in the natural product space that it, it is lifestyle or people that think about you know what they put in their mouth and on their skin um and i, and I also think you should do more of that adam of sharing because you are a founder uh and an entrepreneur and you're kind of doing a lot of things that are that you're winning as an entrepreneur and a founder um and and you you so cho- chose a marketing agency representing the brand instead of the brand uh, but i think i think the world could uh, use hearing some more of that from you personally i appreciate that talk to us about creative and um you know what what's driving innovation uh how, how you guys are thinking about innovation and like the the, the actual process of uh, content yeah sure um well for, for the most part we're really like um practical and pragmatic in our approach and it's really served us well and our clients well especially we brought on a new creative director uh who came over from yaso one of our clients um and she's really helped us uh really get a little bit more calculated in how we approach content, uh, brought, brought more art to our already existing solid art and married it with our science. And so what we, what we really do is say, listen, you know, brands in the CPG beverage and spirit space, you have crowded category. Everyone thinks their baby's the cutest. So you really need to have content that does the heavy lifting for you and explains it for you when you're not in the room. So that's why we really heavily focus on motion graphics animation as a primary focus, because I think if you're going to tell me why your kombucha is better and why I'm going to like it and what the flavor profile is and whatever the messaging is, you have to educate me. And a way to do that, I think, is with text animation, motion graphics, and just motion in general. It also obviously doesn't hurt that they're good for the algorithm and there's, there's science, uh, science punch behind it. But we really start brands there. So a lot of times brands, when they hire us, They'll go through the whole vetting process. We don't really do RFPs, but, you know, whatever we go through, they finally hire us, they meet our team, and then they want to be like a kid in a candy store, and they want to just, like, make everything crazy. 
Um, they'll send me an Olipop video and they'll be like, I want one of those. And it's like, that is the wrong way to do this. First, let's break down what's your business most important message. Um, and it's usually DTP, describe the product. Why are you different? Why should people care? Um, I think PFC, most of our brands are retail first. So people need to see your package. So there is awareness, consideration, and trial at retail. So I always say, don't go so smart, you go stupid. A lot of brands, I think, post recipes and they post memes and they they just choose a lane and then they don't realize that like they almost never show their package and they give zero chance for everyone to remember it when they're in the store. So that's a big mistake. Um, but we say, what's your most important message? What's your next most important message? And then where do you find it? We call that an RCO, retailer call-out video. So we really focus heavily there. And it might not be as sexy as like some of the cool, crazy stop motions that you might see out there. And we love to do those as well. But we start with those building blocks first because then you can really iterate and do a lot of things from there. And by getting people to think that way, it's really helped us um, get to know their brand and their idiosyncrasies and their style guide faster before we go to the fun stuff. And then it gets them the mission-critical stuff as opposed to like, the free play. Everyone wants to do like the let's play kickball instead of the actual homework. So we like to start with the homework because I think that's actually what moves the businesses forward. I hope I answered the question. Yeah, I think you dropped a couple bombs there. I mean, I've been in natural CPG for 23 years and, and I've never simplified it down to, um, you know, the describe the product. Uh, and then the other one that caught me was the, the the, the retailer call-out video, which, you know, I've done over the time, but just never really thought, you know, uh, those are the two main things. Because, you know, at the end of the day, building a brand, being an entrepreneur, it's just a lot of noise. And, and you're trying to, like, what is going to move the needle? Um, and, and, and that just highly uh, simplified it. So I appreciate that. Totally. And I spoke to a brand um, uh, about a year ago, and I spoke to them again, uh, like, at the end of last week. And their Instagram feed is beautiful. There's, there's, they have product front and center. They have great influencer assets. They use photographers. All amazing, right? And they were like, what do you think? What do you think of my Instagram? And I'm like, it looks great. But then I went, where are you sold? And they're in literally in like 30,000 stores. And I go, first of all, there's not one mention of a retailer anywhere on your feed, in your reels, uh, or in stories. And then I went into the ads library with them on the phone. And I go, you know you're running ads. Yes, I know you're running ads. And I, they're, they're just terrible. Because, like, their ads agency was, like, taking that image and then just, like, throwing the Sprouts logo on it. And so it's, like, they're, they're so focused on the grid because that's, like, the sexy art gallery. But they weren't focused on the, bra like, brass tacks, which is these are the ads supporting Sprouts. And if I saw it on my phone, it would just look so bad. It would actually degrade my perception of your brand and actually send me backwards in the sales journey. And he was shocked. He, like, didn't even realize and so I just, I think it's, you just got to have a more pragmatic approach to this type of stuff. Yeah, I love it. Now, thank you. You've been uh, vocal about, um, you know, the aspects of social of not track, not tracking follower count, buying followers, et cetera, um, you know, really focusing on engagement. But can you, uh, can you share some of your thoughts there? Yeah, I mean, uh, I appreciate you picking up on that. It was actually uh, day one of my 365 Days of Fire. And then I think I actually posted something about it last week or maybe on my podcast, Inner Circle, because uh, Instagram just finally fully rolled out where you can like uh, you can click and go directly to a website from a story that you don't need 10,000 followers. That was like, there were only two main reasons that I think brands could, after they heard me say and argue why Instagram followers are irrelevant and and they still are 100% irrelevant. Um, but it was my retail buyer asked me why I have no fans. And so that must mean that I, I, like no one follows me. 
The spirit of the question is, do you have the ability to support retail velocity? And the answer is yes, I'm going to do that with ads. I'm certainly not going to do it with my followers. And if you think about it logically, a lot of brands, like uh, I see Erica on this call. So if Erica has her, her Brodo in Canada and then she goes into like, you know, uh, 140 giant eagles in the Midwest, it's totally irrelevant if she has 500, 5,000, or 50,000 followers because none of them shop at Giant Eagle because a lot of them are probably in Canada. Um, so, like, if you just think about it logically, like, it doesn't matter what that number is. What matters is when she gets on the shelves, she's going to support the retail velocity by targeting fans of Giant Eagle who also like other competitor brands within a 20-mile radius. That's what matters. So... That question's irrelevant, but I get that buyers don't understand and they have to fight that fight. But the the 10,000 follower count, I would have this argument and then brands would be like, yeah, but can you just get us to 10,000? Can you please just get us to 10,000? Whatever you need to do. Uh, and so I'm so happy that's gone because now I don't even need to. I'm sure I'm going to still have the argument because it's, it's what people think about. Um, but like there really is no foundational argument anymore. Was that the reason why? I mean, I just noticed that today I haven't been on Instagram and, and I'm new to Instagram, but I, I did enjoy the fact that when I put the story up for Natural Product Founders Help and Founders, I could put a link right to it, which I don't think a couple of weeks ago I could. Uh, but was that yeah. was that one of the reasons? I guess, you know, I had my own uh, a funny story of like at Manitoba Harvest after, you know, not being in, involved in the business and, and uh, talking to agencies that were representing and, and they, you know, said to me that I wasn't an influencer because I didn't have 10,000 um, uh, people following me on social media. And I was like, that's ridiculous. What are you talking about? You know, but I guess that's that's an old school of thought or uh, and I get so Yeah. I, and, I, and I like the point about because especially, you know, for brand altogether, brick and mortar like geo targeting and really getting to those customers in in, in that store uh, is a lot different than kind of direct consumer and kind of any customer uh, ordering off your website. Totally. It's just an illogical argument, but those would at least be like the two points that brands would make. So now they don't do that. Uh, just finishing out the answer to your question, um, it's not even so much that we promote engagement. Like I, I actually care more about like views. So a good KPI might be cost per thousand viewed. Uh, impressions, video views, maybe shares, like shares are dope, right? People are sharing it with other people. Saves are great. If you're doing like recipes and stuff, those are great. But it's not, it's not necessarily that like I, I am saying followers don't matter, but likes and comments do. I actually think both don't really matter. I think you have to stay the course of like what your overall goal is. And so if you're, if you're like 90% plus retail first, which is almost every client I work with, then it should be massaging awareness, consideration, and trial at retail and supporting velocity at your key retailers and doing whatever the hell you need to do to make sure you not only get the order, but you get the second and third order and be focused entirely on that because that's really what matters. Um, and then if you want to have D to C and you want to do some of these other channels, you're harvesting a community still and you're going to start to push people towards SMS sign up or email way before I'm going to ask somebody to follow me or like my post, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it does. I mean, just segregating it like you do, you know, segregating your messaging, segregating your tracking and your consumer by channel and, and, and opportunity. Um, I just, you get, you get laser sharp on it. I like yeah, it. Man. I like it. Um, I mean, down that line, you know, you, I guess your, your current thinking on, um, you know, uh, founder, personal brand, celebrity, uh, or, or just, you know, nano or, 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 you know, general influencers, like what's your thoughts on that as, as, as it relates to kind of the social and digital space? 
I mean, I think that uh, I think what you're saying, and if not, it's still a good point. I said this with Mark Samuel on on Monday Mood yesterday. Uh, we we're talking about like the importance of brands and how we're all media personalities. I think Dave uh, from Dream Pops put that in his in his Sunday uh, newsletter this week, and like really getting people to think it. It sounds cliche. Everyone says it, and no one does it. I know you're a buyer of it. I know I'm a buyer of it. But I said like. How many people like fanboy over Jake and Midday Squares, but have never tried their product? I would say more, more have more are that have never tried the product than are people that have tried the product. Well, like, yeah, but hey, well, it, it, but yeah, I get that. Well, it's just, you know, how many people are uh, you know buy Lululemon clothes, but they've never done yoga, or you know what I mean? Like that, that just that that happens, right? It feels good. It feels good to totally. do. It. People want to do it or something. Totally. And that's brand and that's, uh, you know, uh, uh, an OG uh, a brand in the apparel space that has grown over time. But I and so, I, so I, yes, period. I agree. I would say different, though, is that you can come out of nowhere. Like I was I, that is a brand that wasn't even on my radar. And now it's a brand anyone wants to talk about. And everyone loves what they're up to um, before they um, before they know anything or even have tried the product or even if they tried the product, would even like the product. I happen to think it also has a great product. So like that's a double win and that's why they're meteoric. But like it just shows the power of brand and that sort of answering that first question of like the founder story. And I work with other brands that have said like, hey, I love what they're doing. Can we do that? And I always say like, you can't fake what you're not, uh, but you have a totally different story. Like Jake is Jake and he's got a very, all three of them have a very unique approach, but there are, there's your own narrative for a more wholesome brand or for a more, authentic uh, brand with the backstory of a health benefit. I don't like, there's a lot of ways to do it. You just got to tell your truth. You got into this business for a reason. It hopefully it's not just to like make the next keto bar and sell it on Amazon. Like if you, if you truly have a brand that is bringing products to the world, that is making them better for people and making the world a better place, then you should be able to get out there and speak about it. And if you're a shy founder, there's lots of options. You could do this. I don't do this much. I, I, I'll speak anywhere, but I actually really like video. I often don't do this group audio, um, but this could work for somebody who doesn't want to be in front of camera. Or you could pre-record and then do like a graphic uh, and just add the, this to it. Like there's, there's, there's very little excuse these days to not get the founder out there and really be the voice of the brand as long as they're passionate about it and have the willingness to try. You just have to start and then start again, and then do more, and then it'll come your way. I think that was the first part of your question. The other stuff about, like, influencers and celebrities, I, I just think it's really good to, like, know your tactic and, like, and just execute. So, like, I, I was on Mark's um, Let's, Let's Eat podcast a long time ago during COVID, and it was, you know, he has a service provider and a brand, and I was on with Gabby Lewis from um, Magic Spoon. And that guy just knew what he wanted to do. First of all, he, he did cricket protein bars and realized that is – I do not want to do something that everyone's freaked out and scared about. So I'm going to reinvent myself in something that's easy to ship, huge category, and I can have a ton of fun with. So he chose cereal. And then he just got a lot of influencers in early, big name influencers, maybe even gave away some equity. I know they did some things with like that TikTok house um, recently. Like they're just all in on making those like big influencer, big name partnerships and going big. And it works for them. It doesn't work, you know, not, I think you can't be half pregnant with something like that. You got to go all in and be highly committed. I, ch I think Truck does good good work with that kind of stuff, like big partnerships, real collaborations. I think those can pay big dividends. 
Um, just giving equity to like a random influencer because that's how they want pay and overpaying for it. I think that's a slippery slope. I hope I answered the question. You know, I think it was a good chair. No, I, I appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, and and uh, I, I would agree. I think on on all those fronts, like founder personal brand is especially in our industry is is more important than ever. But just generally, because everyone's got a story to tell, and uh, um, you know, I love it how midday squares comes up in uh, in every kind of marketing conversation nowadays. As they, as, they, as as they should, as they should, every. and you know, uh, I, I go back to. Uh, the moment I tried the product, the moment I met the people, the moment I knew that I, I, I want to be part of the journey, and and I think just a lot of people are going to want to be part of the journey because they're, uh, you know, they're 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 making noise that's that is very unique to them. All you got to do is go hang out with them, and then you realize that's that's who they are. You know, so um, totally, totally, yeah. Yeah, and of course, there's some great, there's some people, there's some big companies that are that have raised, you know, done a really good job of of growing a brand, raising capital, like you know the brothers at Super Coffee, uh, you know Ross at Daring, that are bringing bringing celebrities in, but you know that 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 match up with the brand. Um, uh, you know, I think Mike at Vita Coco has been doing that for a long time, and and uh, so that does work. But I think those are those are like unicorn cases uh, uh, to to really be successful there. Totally. What's a uh, uh, a successful recent campaign that uh, that that just worked out really clicked and and you're and you're you're stoked on? I mean, so you know, it's a good word. I'll, I'll answer your question, but I, even the camp, even the word campaign, right? Like campaign implies like a marketing campaign. I'll say share. I'll say effort. share. I'll yeah. say, I'll turn it to share. Yeah. Share. Yeah. yeah. No, no problem. Yeah. You know, because we just don't really focus there. We're really we, we're like staffing the role of this mission critical comms management team that doesn't even sit in marketing. I think it touches the whole business, but let's assume it's in marketing and let's assume um, it's a share uh, or something that we've worked on. There's a zillion. I, I, I always hate to like signal out things that are like one's better than the other. And at this point, I'll actually get people to be like, I'm so pissed. You didn't mention me in your newsletter or you didn't highlight me this month, um, which is ironic. But um, I like anytime I work with Ithaca hummus, I enjoy it. First of all, the lemon beet hummus from Ithaca Hummus is my favorite individual skew of any product I've worked with in 10 years. Um, and I think Chris is one of the best founders I've met, Chris Kirby. Um, so we worked with them for two years, and then ultimately he wanted to go internal. So we staffed an internal person at his company, uh, an influencer, and we brought them on. We trained them on our strategy, and they took over. And then we just made, like, became, like, uh, have maintained a homey relationship with them. And we just worked on this um, release of his Everything Bagel flavor, but they, they, they tied it in with a charity angle where you can nominate charities and then they're going to give five cents from every container to local charities and local markets. The, the thing we did was around Publix in Florida. I just love the innovation, the idea, the fun of getting behind it. So we worked on strategy, content, and influencers on that project, and it was a great success. Hopefully, we'll be doing more of them. But that's just a recent one that it, that it, it definitely helps when I believe in the jockey and the horse. And I also just like thoroughly have a good ch- good time whenever I deal with the individuals at the company. Yeah, I like that. I mean, it's a great example. I think it's just, you know, what, what brings to mind um, and even your, you know, campaign. And, 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 I, and I said, okay, if it's not a campaign, it's a share. But I think, I think it just makes it feel more authentic, um, you know, and, and that's whether it's the founder or it's the brand, you want it to feel authentic, right? And, and kind of makes me think, I, I just, you know, one of the posts that I put out last week that I, sh- I just shared my uh, emotional grieving that, and healing that I kind of went through. And, and it was just one of my most viewed 
engaged with posts and and you know you kind of see that i've see it in others uh in 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 our industry and you know erica in the audience is is you know shares the kind of realness and, and people want to engage with the real so when it comes to a brand you know um i guess that's the difference between kind of getting through and seeing and an advertisement that's been made up or something that's really been worked on that that um that shares a something authentic about the uh, the, the brand and the business a thousand percent. And I don't, I don't really look at like my analytics. Sure. I look at like, um, you know, did this take off how many views and, you know, I'll sort of just look cause I'm in LinkedIn all day. Um, but you know, statistically side by side, it's statistically significant that whenever I'm like super real, almost, almost telling like real misses or real hardships, they always outperform. They always resonate. Um, and the CPG community really rallies behind you, right? Cause everyone's feeling it. Um, so I don't, I don't think people should do it as a tactic, but I think it should be part of your resume as you're putting out content. Uh, cause that real often, you can't fake that authenticity. You have to just be super legit and real and not be shy about turning the camera on in the good, but also in the bad. That's about being comfortable. And if you're comfortable, then you, the real you comes out instead of the you that you think that other people want to see from you. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. I heard <laughs> you said it. I think you've never been to a natural products expo West. I've never been to any show in this in the industry. Crazy, right? Yeah, that's a, that's a little crazy. And I, and I and I remember hearing you you talk about it in one you know one of the shows or something or just on your social about uh, you know the, the the general things like you know the people are 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 there to sell and you can engage with the founders or the or or, or you know the team otherwise. But uh, are, are, is that are, is that thought changing for you? Or and I, I just you know I've been open that I, I built my whole career on trade shows, meeting other people, and kind of hanging out there. And but. I realized kind of the time is, you know, the virtual time or, 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 you know, and I guess reputation and goodwill, all that comes into play. But uh, are you going to go out to uh, Expo West in uh, next year or, or is that just a, a no show or? Yeah. So, I mean, it's a killer question. So like my, you know, the salesman in me is uh, a, as, as confident as I am, almost borderline cocky. People tell me I'm definitely not that cocky. And I, I, I feel like, I don't have that much significance in this world that going to these trade shows that anyone wants to talk to me at those trade shows, right? Like they are busy selling their wares. They're in sales mode. They Not are true. hustling. No, so, yeah. no but yeah, I, I hear you. I don't know. I'll let you go on. I'm sorry. You know, for, I'm just saying for my head, I'm like, I, I don't need to be in their ear and I could cover more ground. And, at, and when I was a smaller agency and I had not a lot of employees, like, I was just like, I'm going to grind. And it was actually a really good sales time for me because I would just go through the Net Expo website and I could alphabetically, like literally name, you know, letter by letter go in and I would do a monster prospecting from the show. So that was actually very positive from a sales point of view. Over time, I have so many clients and I'm a big buyer of efficiency. So yes, it is so efficient to have all these people in one place. But I always thought to myself, like, um, you know, if I'm not in the crowd, like a South by Southwest, if you're not in the crowd, you're just like an outsider driving around Austin like a moron. So like you're, you can't, you like you're not in the you're not in the know. I went to Sundance a couple years ago. A friend of mine had a movie there, and I had fun, but I was like not in any of the parties. I didn't know where to go. I was just like such an outcast. I feel only because people have told me this, not because I feel this about myself, but a lot of people, especially when I was in Boulder and I had drinks with Fred Hart from Interact Boulder, and he's like, "Dude, get over yourself. You you will people will recognize you. They will come over to you. You will have value." And it's not even about sales. It's just 
energy and networking and thought leadership. You are an idiot if you're not going. He's like, I almost forbid you not to go. Um, and that was just in like October 5th that he told me this. So I feel like I got to get my act together and get out there. 100%, man. I'm telling you, know, this is a good, I like this because, you know, this is a good a giving and receiving conversation as, as, as it should be. I 100% I'll, I'll, you know, I want to walk around. Let's spend, uh, let's spend some time walking some of the show together. Then you'll, you'll see. Um, and that's what it's all about. Right. I always thought about LinkedIn as the 24 seven trade show, but it's, it's the reverse is also true. You know, all the, uh, community and, 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 uh, the build on social and kind of share are all kind of there. And, uh, and, and I think you can also contribute to, um, you know, more formally into New Hope or, you know, Nosh, BevNet, kind of same thing, right? I, I think you have a lot to offer there, and uh, it should be a place that you double, triple down on. I dig it. Let's make it work. Yeah, sweet. Can you talk about, um, you know, how you see the future for you and, and Circle Media? I just, like, uh, a lot of people ask me that all the time, especially when I'm on podcasts. Like, I want to just, like, grow this. I really... It's so positive. We're getting such good feedback, uh, especially from OGs in the CPG space. Now that we've gotten a little bit bigger, we work with like a little bit later stage brands, still early. And also like, you know, worked at 20 years in Campbell's or Kraft or Nestle. And then they meet me and one after another, they're just like, your agency is different than any other agency I've ever worked with. Like that gasses me up so much. And so I'm like head down, staying the course. I'm continuing to build that. Uh, and also not going sideways, which I think a lot of successful agencies do. They grow so fast, they go sideways, the service slumps, and then they lose clients and they lose employees. So I'm maniacally focused on not letting that happen for the foreseeable future. Let's, let's call it a couple of years. I definitely wanted to put myself in a financial position personally to be able to invest in brands. Um, I just invested in Simple. That's my most recent investment, small, and that's very early stage. But I really like the brand. I like the I like the products and I like the founder. Um, so, you know, the next couple of years, I'd like to be able to continue to write checks and participate with the brands, like get involved. Um, maybe it's a board seat, maybe it's advisory, um, really bring some of the firepower to brands where I have the luxury and time that I can dedicate, where I don't have to just think about converting them to paying clients. I think a lot of them actually will end up converting because we just make a lot of sense, but I don't want that to be the only way that I can help brands. So for me, that's what I see on my runway for the next, you know, few years. Awesome. Well, and I think it's smart and you're primed for it. So, um, good stuff. Thank you. How do you think about giving back? I mean, we, I like to give back with time, not just money. I mean, during COVID we gave, you know, I don't know, like, uh, I don't know the number, but a lot, we would, every month I was to first responders and food kitchens and, uh, that when welfare launched, we gave a ton of product to, to, um, to welfare and we, uh, we donated some money and, um, during black lives matter, like all things that are like very important to me and to the, my company, we really put, um, dollars behind during COVID, especially when we were just like, you know, couldn't go anywhere, but I prefer more than money to put in like time. So we usually do, um, full participation company events, uh, at least once a quarter, um, you know, for uh, Women in Need, which is an organization of like single moms and, and sort of in, impoverished situations in New York, we would go uh, multiple times for that, usually around poverty, um, children, um, things that can like help people that are maybe down in their luck, change the trajectory, and get back on their luck. That, that's the most important type of stuff for me. And there's no shortage of that all over, but especially here in New York, where it's very expensive to live. 
So we do that a lot. We have not been able to do that now for a while. So we're actually planning our first event with Welfare, um, doing something in December. And we already have our head of people, Sally, just working on, like, what's our game plan for next year where we're, like, literally going to soup kitchens or, you know, if it's got to be outdoors, let's be outdoors. But, like, what can we do to give back with our actual effort, not just dollars? Yeah, uh, I'm a big believer in time. I think uh, time is, uh, is is even more valuable, right? Uh, especially for, for sure. us entrepreneurs. How about, uh, have you done anything with um, the natural products industry specific kind of uh, incubators, accelerator, like naturally network or SKU or beyond SKU or... Not really. Um, I, I used to do some work with Beyond Brands um, and had a great relationship. There's a, you know, a lot of different members of that organization. When they set up the SKU program, it just wasn't like a fit for us, and I just didn't have the time to dedicate. Um, and I haven't really uh, done much. I, I just, I'm starting in this new agency forum um, at a Boulder uh, that I'm a founding member of. They, they have a CMO forum, but they're starting one with founders of agencies, which there's now seven of us, and we just started that. Um, I'm a big fan of Andy Judd. He's probably my favorite marketer in the space, uh, Yasso. And, uh, I think he runs or is like super senior at naturally Boulder. So if we, we, we may be opening an office there, um, I, not a lot of people know that, but, uh, so this is like a little, little teaser here. You guys got a sneak peek. Uh, so if I do, I'll probably join up there. Um, but nothing with like the bigger industry or, you know, giving back in uh, time or money. Uh, no. I think it's a good up. I think you should go for it. That sounds like you're already, there's some good stuff in the works there, but, uh, yeah. Um, I think it'll be a natural fit for your, um, you know, the industry, um, and, and beneficial for you and the, um, and the organization. So, for sure. Anything else you want to share before we, uh, before we shift gears into some questions? I'd like, I'd like to jam. I, I like that. I like that. I see people continuing to join and I like that. I don't see as many people falling off, uh, which is awesome and very flattering. So let, let's, let's open it up. Thank you for listening to the Founder to Mentor podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Be sure to check out the links and resources in the show notes. You can help the show, please, by subscribing and leaving a positive review. As always, feel free to get in touch with me on social at Mike Fata. That's it for now. See you next time.